This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culchin Ford. Bird Culchin Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the BearCast on Sikkim365.com on this Tuesday, December the 5th, 2023. The transfer portal is open, and it is active, and the postseason is now set for college football. And for the Baylor Bears, well, there is no postseason. It's all offseason from here on out. And just yesterday, introducing their brand-new offensive coordinator and Jake Spavital over at McLean Stadium. We'll talk about that. We'll also get into... The vacancies still left on this coaching staff that need to be filled, and also the portal decisions and recruiting uh, changes that could be in store for Baylor football moving forward. We'll get into all of that, but I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim365.com writer, also host, and joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer, director of broadcasting for Sikkim365. Got Garrett Ross behind the scenes as well, and well, uh, Grayson, we are into the offseason now, and for a lot of other teams, there's obviously, you know, bowl games to get set for, and uh, for some teams, the college football playoff. There's certainly a lot of just, in general, arguing and questioning about college football and its present and its future, and there was interesting news today about the potential for a break-off division, uh, and that's all for later conversations because it's just there's so many things going on with college football, it seems like, right now, but there's also plenty going on with the Baylor Bears, and them trying to figure out how they're going to correct the ship from this past season. And, uh, man, that's that's well underway right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, what a weird day. I mean, the amount of transfers that entered the portal and especially quarterbacks, I mean, just what a – I've never seen anything like this. I mean, guys who are high, high-level starters at their current university decide to transfer and go elsewhere, uh, potentially collect a big paycheck um, their last year if maybe they don't think they're going to be pro prospects or whatnot. That's been crazy to see. Um and yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time for Baylor because they finally uh, hired Jake Spavital, had that big press conference, talked about the transfer portal some, which I know we're going to get to. But uh, it's an interesting time and, and an opportunity to revamp your roster and all schools across the country are trying to take advantage of that. Yes, they are. And so uh, for Baylor, that's a lot of what's been going on here as of late is uh, roster management, getting decisions from their current roster, setting up for the numbers that they could have for their future roster, Uh, but also coaching changes as well. And so uh, let's just, I guess, dive right into, you know, what's going on right now. Yesterday, uh, let's start with the introduction of Jake Spavital, new offensive coordinator. Uh, Very quick process in terms of who you found to replace Jeff Grimes. And when you check all the boxes next to Jake Spavital's name, the Texas ties, the up-tempo offense, uh, familiarity, success with, you know, prior uh, quarterbacks, things of that nature – uh, he does check quite a few of the boxes you would imagine that Dave Aranda was looking for. And yesterday we got, I don't know, it was a good 20 min- minutes or so. I didn't even time it, but I, I figure it was probably about a good 20 minutes or so of Spavital and Aranda uh, there at McLean Stadium inside the meeting room uh, talking about the decision uh, by him to come over, the decision by Aranda to pursue him. And I guess just what were some of your thoughts coming out of that conversation and uh, what you heard from the new offensive 
uh, leader for this football team. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good things and a lot of positives, honestly, uh, were my takeaways. I think his approach, talking about his offense a little bit, um, up-tempo, spread offense. They want to run the ball downhill. They don't want to have negative plays in the run game. They want to create vertical shots. He said he, he game plans for at least 10 of them every game, and I think that's going to be a welcome sight uh, for Baylor fans. I know with Jeff Grimes at Baylor, it was a lot of the play-action deep shots, but this year, since they weren't able to run the football, that just was completely taken away. Um, but I think Spavadol is going to have a really good game plan for taking those vertical shots. So I was excited to hear about that. Um, excited to hear him talk about Blake Shapin a little bit. I mean, kind of where their process is at with quarterbacks in the transfer portal very much seems if Blake Shapin decides not to return, which they are actively recruiting him, then they are going to take a transfer quarterback to come in and compete with Sora Robertson. Felt like that was definitely worth noting. Uh, he, I mean, where, where do you want me to go? Because I know I also wanted to mention talking about the Texas High School Football Association was really cool. I think that's something that he's very passionate about. Um, recruiting high school athletes, recruiting high school talent, and just getting back to Texas and talking to those Texas high school football coaches is clearly something that he's going to be doing immediately. Yeah, well, let's touch on a couple of those. I think, for one, it was very, um, I guess, predetermined that he was going to talk about the Texas High School Coaches mm -hmm. Association because I think there was a knock on him coming in about the way that he handled recruiting at Texas State. I almost felt like that was, <laughs> we need to make sure that we say this and let it be known hey, we're open and we're cool with the Texas High School Coaches Association and we're wanting to work together and we appreciate you guys and respect you guys and we're definitely going to want some of your talent as well. I don't think it was like some mastermind bullet point of the plan, but I do feel like that was intentional to say like, hey, I know there's a rep that I was at Texas State and we didn't hit the portal and there was the whole to-do about how much we uh, – or no, how much we did hit the portal – and he had quotes out there from a few years ago about not recruiting the high schools and going all portal, basically. And that was taboo for, you know, let's face it, what can be a very touchy association at times, the Texas High School Coaches Association, like to the point of, like it's kind of silly what they can get upset about sometimes. But I do think that that was kind of planned beforehand of like, you better throw that in there and let it be known of how you feel, especially walking into the situation you're walking into where you know you're going to be going into these high schools and, working with these coaches, and so I think that was just a smart move on their part to, to put that out there. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that the guy that is now the head coach of Texas State basically did the same thing Jake Spavadol did, which was attack the transfer portal aggressively and not really care as much about, about high school recruiting. So I think basically anyone that has gone to Texas State in recent years, I think it's going to change now, now that GJ has had some success, but Clearly, the blueprint was there that you had to attack the transfer portal if you were going to be successful. Obviously, it happened for them this year. It did not happen while Spavital was there, um, which was you know unfortunate. But I do think he probably gained a lot of knowledge from that experience. And clearly, Dave Aranda was impressed by the body of work, not necessarily just how he was as a head coach, which, to keep in mind, not all coordinators can be good coaches, head coaches. So just keep that in mind moving forward. That doesn't mean he's not a good offensive coach just because he didn't have success at Texas State. How did you feel about what he said in regards to Blake Shapin and the fact that they're still talking? I mean, at this point, I would be fine if they just kind of cut ties and moved on. Um, and that's not a knock on Blake. It's just that I don't feel like you need to be rolling in uncertain territory unless you just feel like he is, without a doubt, your best option moving forward and like you're not as good of a team no matter who you could possibly go and get. 
compared to what you could be with Blake Shapin. If that's the case in their minds, then keep plugging away and try to bring him back into the fold. There's also part of me, and this is nothing personal against him, that you're you cleaning the slate, might as well clean the slate there as well and just roll with Sawyer and whoever else you might get in the portal, which I'll roll back around to some of the, uh, you know, already the interest that they've shown in other players in the portal quarterbacks as well. But, um, you know, we can get to that. If you don't think those guys are as good as Blake, then by all means keep pursuing Blake. But, you know, how long does this pursuit go on? He still went in the portal even though it was known when Dave Aranda joined us last week that that's when it became known they were still talking to Blake and that that was still on the table is when he let us know when he was sitting just over here. And I know that got mixed reactions because everything that Dave Aranda says does at this point. Um, but what do you think about the continued pursuit of Blake Shapin and – just where all that sits right now. I'm leaning 51-49. Like, let's just all turn the page and everybody go their separate ways. But is that what's best for Baylor football? So, I think there's a couple things to this. I don't think Blake is going to be the starting quarterback for Baylor next year. That's just where I'm at. I think that him entering the transfer portal, the conversations that he had with Spavital, clearly not leading to him, you know, giving his full commitment to Baylor, him wanting to test things out and go through a little bit of a recruiting process. Um definitely makes you think that he's looking for something else. And I just, that's my hunch of where this is going to end up, which I don't think is necessarily a horrible thing. I think Baylor's going to be able to find a very quality quarterback in the transfer portal, as we've seen some really, really good ones have entered the portal uh, in the last day. The one thing I will mention, though, is that Spavadol did mention what he's looking for in a quarterback, and basically everything he said kind of fit what Blake Shapin is, which is rather interesting because he mentioned the main thing is arm strength. We know Blake Shapin has a very strong arm. Then he mentioned arm angles, off-platform throws, also Blake Shapin. And then he mentioned mobility, but he said, I don't need a dual threat guy, but you have to be able to extend plays. Again, that kind of is what Blake Shapin has been. Not a great runner, but he can extend the pocket a little bit. So I found that interesting that basically what he described was Blake Shapin. So if they are going to find someone in the portal, uh, they're probably going to look for someone kind of like that or maybe a bigger bodied quarterback who can run and then throw the deep ball, which again, you can also somewhat relate to Blake Shapin as well. So it'll be fascinating to watch. But again, my viewpoint at this moment is that Blake Shapin won't be the quarterback for Baylor next year. Yeah, so Blake Shapin still went into the portal despite the fact that they were still talking to him after the Spavital hire, which is understandable because he's getting the best of both worlds. His old school still pursuing him and talking to him, and that's still an option. Meanwhile, he's in the portal and he's talking to whoever is contacting him and offering him whatever at this point in time remains to be seen. Uh, but he is in the portal, so we do know that. Um, Spavital, obviously with the message to the Texas High School Coaches Association, just let it know, like, hey, we're all good. Like, let's be friends, um, which is smart, and I think calculated in a, in a positive way. Um, he also, when describing his offense, uh, said spread up tempo with downhill run game and vertical passing. That was basically the, the word for word. Remember Jeff Grimes, and he used to say, what's the RVO? And he had, like, that, that scripted answer that he would always give, which I forget. It's, like, the most reliable, blah, blah, blah. And all the players would, like, rattle it off after they learned it after, like, the first semester when he was here. You remember all that? Yes, yeah. Um, this is kind of what that felt like of, the, the reaction or the answer to what kind of offense they're looking to run and that he runs spread up tempo offense with downhill run game and vertical passing. I think it's kind of like the catchphrase for the Spavital mm-hmm. offense. So what does that translate as to you? I mean, I think it's pretty clear cut. They're going to run the spread. They're going to be up tempo. Um, they're going to throw, take shots down the field, but they're also going to run the football and, and have a focus on running the football. Um, so does anything particularly stand out to you about 
that phrasing and, and that focus there. I mean, it's exactly what we had talked about the staff wanting, right? What Dave Aranda wanted was to change to a more spread offense. A more exciting product on the field is something that Dave Aranda actually mentioned during this press conference as well, is that that was a big part of this decision to hire a Spavital along with his head coaching experience, which it I know that it didn't go well, but he still has experience in that realm, which was something that, again, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, that that was something that Dave Aranda was looking for. And so I think based on all of that, this makes a lot of sense. I think for me personally, just kind of what I saw from Baylor this year and the transition that they need to make going into next year, everything he said makes perfect sense. They need to take more shots vertically down the sideline. They didn't do that enough this year. They need to take more shots down the middle of the field. They need to be able to get yards on first down and not have to settle for second and 12, which is something that he mentioned in this press conference as well. Spavadol talked about the downhill run game. Essentially what he means by that is, or how he kind of talked about it was, hey, you know what? We're going to run the ball up the middle, and if we get stuffed, at least we're going to get a yard or two. We're not going to be sitting there at second and 12. We want to be sitting there at second and eight at worst, and then who knows, you know, maybe you get second and four. Maybe you get into better situations, but that's going to be important. He mentioned the screen game, which he feels is very important to kind of his air raid philosophy as an extension of the run game. You're forcing linebackers to move sideline to sideline, run a lot, you wear them down, then you take shots over the top, then you run right at them, but that's going to be another area that they attack to try to, you know, move the chains a little bit more, and hopefully he has more success uh, with the screen game than Jeff Grimes did, because at times that was a very frustrating part of the offense. Yes, it uh, definitely was, and so that is kind of the definition of what you're going to be seeing with the Jake Spavitol offense, spread up tempo with downhill run game and vertical passing. That's uh, all summed up into one there. He also let it be known that um, they're going to, you know, do what matches their personnel. I guess there was a just a, a run of tight ends there in recruiting that added up to where you had like over a handful of tight ends sitting in your room, and I think you might still even at this point – uh, although there's a departure, and we're going to get to that because um, the roster talk is coming up next, and there's a lot to get to there. Um, but to think that they're all of a sudden going to whittle down and they're going to open up like four tight end scholarships, that's not going to be the case. They're going to play into the hand of the fact that they have a lot of tight ends, and he is going to utilize those guys. And so um, I just thought that that was interesting, the idea of like, oh, well, they'll probably get rid of like three guys. Like, no, he's just going to kind of work with what they have. Now, I also want to say that um, one of the parts that was probably the most controversial was when – he was talked about uh, in terms of their talent of, well, I don't think we really have to go into the portal too much. I guess people expecting that they're going to go get like 25 guys. And at least for from his standpoint, saying like, no, I don't think like there's anything that's like we're, we have to go and have this, you know, per se. It's not like they're, they're lining up with 20 scholarships and they've got to get all these guys on offense. And some people heard – him saying that they don't feel like they have a lot of needs in the portal as, like, they're not going to go into the portal. It's like, people, be like, have common sense, please. And and I know that you're upset about the results, but, like, let people breathe and just talk and explain their positions because as soon as he says, like, we don't need a bunch out of the portal, oh, my God, they don't know what they're doing. It's like, no, but maybe there's a reason why they're saying what they're saying when they're saying it as you're trying to coax your current roster into coming back and figure out you know, guy that's been on the job all of, like, a handful of days, like, what they're trying to do. Um, I didn't take that as some negative, but I understand that anything he says or Aranda says or that anybody says at this point is going to be taken negative by a, a certain crowd. And so 
that was a reaction that I wasn't totally surprised by because I think everybody's setting themselves up for some massive portal additions. But if you just listen to what he was saying, it was just also a compliment to what they have. And I don't think they're going to go out and get 25 guys in the transfer portal. So I don't think it's all that off. And you get what I'm saying here? I, yeah, I do. So I do want to hit on the first part that you said because you mentioned the fact that they have all these tight ends on the roster. And how would that look in Jake Spavitol's scheme? Because when you think of the air raid, you don't necessarily think of, oh, all these tight ends being used. But that's another reason why Dave Randall likes Spavitol so much is that when he went to Cal, they were running a pro-style offense, had you know tight ends, didn't have as many wide receivers, and he went in there, changed it to a spread offense, and had a ton of success compared to where they were at the season before. So again, I think this is an area that they completely addressed. Jeff Grimes, I, you know, I had moments where I loved his scheme, but then there were other moments where it's like, man, this is just not working. But the biggest problem that I think a lot of people had with him and my personal problem was his inability to change, to change things up and be able to adapt based on what he was seeing. It was always the same offense every single week. And while that worked in 2021, it didn't work as well the last two seasons. And so based on what Spavital is saying, it's clear he's going to adjust to what the roster is giving him and where they are most uh, strong, where they're the strongest. And I think that that's going to be a key for Baylor moving forward. Now the transfer portal part. I understand why people were upset because when he said it, I kind of was taken aback a little bit because I don't, I understand why you say it and I understand the reasons that maybe you feel good about the roster. But I also think people need to realize that he's only talking about the offensive side, right. an offensive side that does not have an offensive line coach offensive yet either. Coordinator Jake Spavital, right. not head coach Jake Spavital. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's a big thing, right? Because you look at the defensive side and there's clear areas where they're addressing. I mean, they've offered five linebackers in the transfer portal already. So, clearly they're going to address that but on the offensive side with no offensive line coach there yet it's hard to really gauge how many guys they're going to take now my personal preference is you have to take at least two starting offensive linemen you have to take a slot receiver and if Blake Shapin leaves you absolutely have to take a quarterback that's four guys I'd like it to be more like five six maybe even seven but I think they feel good with the roster probably better than most people do and I understand the I understand the reasons for it whether it's development or fitting the scheme better or things along those lines I understand it but I do think they're going to attack the portal probably more than what Jake Spavital was mentioning when he said it and just remember he's only talking about the offensive side when he is having these conversations yeah I just uh, I think that you know you probably have to clarify a bit more but in that terms of uh, in that setting of a press conference or just kind of talking in general I don't know I, I understood it originally but then I got so many like mentions and things of just like well they're idiots and they don't know what they're doing and I just like come on now I mean it's the introductory press conference and he's just getting started. I mean, let's let him breathe for a second. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? think I think when he says it, he was very much saying it in regards to we're not going to be like when he was at Texas State. Like we're not yeah. going to lose twenty guys and replace them with twenty guys. And I think that's more so what he meant. Not necessarily that they're not going to use it. And I think when people saw kind of his quote and what he said, it was interpreted as he's not going to use the transfer portal at all. And that's clearly not what's going to happen as they wouldn't have offered as many guys as they offered the first day the portal opened. Spavital says he doesn't foresee them needing to fill a ton of roster voids through the portal, but that could change depending on what happens the next few days. And so, like, that part of it, I guess, just gets glossed over because you see that first part. But, yeah, I mean, that's... 
That's some clarification. They're absolutely going to be in the portal. They're absolutely going to need guys on offense. But as we're going to get to in a moment, there's not a ton of room, folks, to go out there and go get 50 scholarship people in the portal right now. I mean, um, we'll get into that, like I said, in in just a second. But um, that part of it I feel like was the most controversial thing that he said as far as a reaction goes. So that's why I wanted to to bog down on it and just talk about it and, and talk through it a little bit of, like, don't panic. They're not not going to be in the portal. It's just that you're not going to see 50 new guys on this roster next year. And, you know, we'll we'll detail more of, of why that is in just a, a second. But anything else as far as Spavital and what he had to say, I feel like those were most of the high points. Um, talked a little bit about his, you know, air raid background with guys like Dana Holgerson, um, his time at West Virginia, which included being there for the wild uh, Geno Smith duel between Baylor and the Mountaineers. He was a part of that. Uh, West Virginia staff, um, and, you know, kind of chuckled when that got brought up. Um, but I think that that, from my standpoint, was kind of the things that stood out most. But maybe I'm missing something. Anything else for you? One thing that I think is important when talking about the current roster, he did he did get a question actually from Colt Barber about wide receivers and how they fit in this air raid scheme. And he did mention that he feels like this is going to allow the receivers to play with a lot more freedom. Um, play a lot more open, think a lot less. And once they understand kind of the routes and the concepts that um, Spavital wants for them, especially the get open routes, which is exactly what he mentioned, it should allow them to adjust easier and, of course, pick up the offense easier. So I felt like that was important because we do have a lot of questions about Baylor's receiving group uh, outside of maybe Keytron Jackson, Monterey Baldwin, and maybe some flashes here or there from Hal Presley and Josh Cameron it's not a very deep room and they definitely are going to need to address it, but it's good to hear kind of his thoughts on how the group should be able to uh, fit in very well in his scheme. He also made it sound in that same regard as though it's an offense where you can make a mistake and it's not the end of the Mm -hmm. world. It doesn't absolutely kill a drive. So if you're one of these receivers where previously you drop a ball and it's like, Oh man, they're, they're up a Creek now. I mean, this is an offense where you can have a mistake here and there and it's not totally crippling to your efforts. And so I do think from that standpoint, maybe a little bit less pressure on trying to be perfect for some guys out there, if that makes sense. I do feel like there was some of that this past year, like everything has to be perfectly done or else it's not going to work. And so the ability to be a little bit more loose and you drop a pass, but like, hey, on to the next one, up tempo, get back to the line, you know, and then hit a bomb or, you know, whatever. I think that that's an element of this as well, that guys can just maybe relax a little bit more and therefore be better at, Uh, their jobs that's important because I felt like at times I know we talked about this some they felt so robotic and so like you have to run this play you have to do this and then all it becomes is one guy misses a block and then you're getting negative two yards so I I do feel like this will allow a little more creativity from their offense which also means creativity from their quarterback their wide receiver and in the offensive line as well so again I think it's a great thing for this offense and for kind of what Baylor is building towards and Aranda said on the change that he was looking for, I was looking for excitement, creativity, explosiveness on offense, a balance of run pass, fun, scoring points, having fun while you're doing it. I think all of that's there. It's present in Jake's system. So that was Aranda, and I got uh, some of the – probably the same crowd of, so what were they doing before? It's like, well, they were doing a bit more of a lean towards the run, very obviously, and a bit of a different approach, you know, with a totally different offense that they were running. So I think they were still trying to have fun with it, but I think they were also just in a different 
place uh, when they hired Jeff Grimes versus where they are now. Um, so, yeah, I think that anytime you're going and making a new hire and getting a new coach, that you're looking for fun and excitement and all that. I also think that you're saying what you're saying at an introductory press conference for a guy who just came in. And so, yeah, they're looking to have fun and be explosive and do all those things and um, be creative. And I think they were trying to do that before, but obviously it didn't work. And that's why you had a press conference for a new coach because you needed to get kind of get back to – those elements that were obviously no longer as much a part of what you were doing, and it wasn't as fun as uh, you were you were having a couple of years ago. So you want to have fun again, and uh, you want to be explosive again, and you haven't been those things for a little while. So hopefully this is a return to that, but just in a different style as they go more air raid, up-tempo spread uh, versus the RVO of one Jeff Grimes. And so we know there's a couple of – uh, spots on the staff that are going to need to be filled in the roster. Obviously, uh, there's some turnover there, but need a running backs coach. As we learned, A.J. Stewart is no longer with the program. Also, Eric Mateos no longer with the program. He is now at Arkansas. Uh, officially announced yesterday that he would be joining Sam Pittman and the Hogs. So he went from a hot seat to a hot seat, quite frankly, but good for Eric Mateos to land on his feet. Stewart will as well. Uh, we know that uh, Sean Bell's taking over the tight ends, uh, replacing Jeff Grimes and also returning to where he was previously uh, when on Matt Rule's staff. Um, and Spavital will coach the quarterbacks along with being the offensive coordinator. So Spavital quarterbacks, Bell the tight ends, that leaves you running back and O-line as far as your vacancies. Any feel for kind of what they're looking at there at the moment? I don't really have a feel for it at this time. I will tell you, Dave Veranda mentioned it and said that, you know, they were looking at candidates and I think it felt like it was maybe getting close, but it also is one of those things where Aranda mentioned, like, we need to hire the right guys. And if we can find a difference maker on the offensive line or, or running back, then we need to wait for that and, and then make a decision. I will say, you know, especially at the offensive line position, that, that, coaching spot they got to find a guy pretty quick because they need to be able to go out and recruit the transfer portal and it's really hard to do that when you don't know who your offensive line coach is going to be um, so right now I think it's still a waiting game um, you know there's been rumors out there but I just don't think there's been anything substantial uh, to report at this time so we remain on coach watch as a lot of things are still very much up in the air and that includes even though some have been answered like Spavital being introduced now and getting to work getting his boots on the ground, getting uh, into conversations with players like Blake Shapin. But as it stands, Blake Shapin is in the transfer portal. But one of the reasons why, Grayson, I didn't go crazy when they brought up not doing a lot in the portal from Spavital and Spavital only standpoint is because I know all the people they have coming back now. And when I look at the list that I put together, they have nearly 50 players committed to coming back already next year. Yeah, my number's actually at 56 now. Okay, well, I'm missing yeah. six guys. So that, that's near, so that tells you when they've got, what, 12 guys? Because there's a decommit this week that we need to talk about. There's like 12 guys committed. That's not going to grow substantially as far as the high school yeah. ranks go. So you're looking at, I, okay, I've got 47 guys on my list. And um, there's one of them is, uh, had one, is David Marshall on scholarship? No. Okay, so that's like 57 or whatever he I just said. tweeted it out. I'm at yeah, 57, yeah, yeah. actually, is where I'm currently at. Okay. So there's a few a few that we're missing on there. But, 
a lot of guys announced this week with the GXG stuff, the NIL collective. Uh, It's been interesting to see all that, all the the guys posting. So there's like 50-something guys, and there's going to be 12 guys that sign in December-ish, whatever, coming up, and there's not going to probably be too much more than that. So that leaves you less than 20 spots in the transfer portal. And that's why when he's like, I I don't think we're going to be like crazy. Um, You look, too, at who's come back. And it's a lot of offense, mm-hmm. like a lot of offense. And so we don't need to go one by one here on who else come back. But uh, they have gotten a handful of their offensive linemen to recommit, if you will. Uh, Colton Price and Bryce Simpson and uh, Sean Tompkins and Wes Tucker and Ryan Lingyell are some of the names there. Uh, they've got three of the running backs that have recommitted in Richard Reese, Dawson Pendergrass, and Bryson Washington as of yesterday. Uh, they've also got... Tight ends and Cody Mladinka and Jake Roberts and Kelsey Johnson and Matthew Klopfenstein and uh, Hawkins Polly that have all committed to coming back. You've got Sawyer Robertson's committed to coming back. You've also got five wide, excuse me, six wide receivers and Cam Bonner, Jordan Neighbors, Josh Cameron, Keetron Jackson, Micah Gifford, and Monterey Baldwin have all pledged that they'll be coming back as well. So that's a pretty good chunk on offense, and they need obviously more on the offensive line, and they need more here and there as well, and they need another quarterback, however they're going to get that. Um, But there's also some defenders. You've got uh, a bunch of the linebackers have recommitted to coming back on defense, a handful of the defensive linemen. uh, Most of your cornerbacks, uh, almost in mass, are all coming back. Uh, I mean, Jenkins, Williams the fourth, Chateau Reed, Devin Bobby, DJ Coleman, LeVar Thornton, Reggie Bush, Romario Noel, Tevin Williams. Williams. Yeah, I've got him. Tevin Williams, I've all committed to coming back. Uh, Bet, Tizino, Kalu, Boykins, Emery, Maye, all on the defensive line. And Yanwu, Miller, Randolph, Josh White, Kyan Roberts, Day. He's at linebacker still, yeah. Uh, He's D-line. Okay, D-line. DN. Kyler Jordan, Matt Jones. So we can break this down, but, I mean, just the point is, before we get into specifics here, because some of these guys are going to be coming back for six years and super Mm -hmm. seniors and things, um, there's not a lot of – there's not going to be, like, 25 transfers barring some attrition, I guess is the point that I'm getting to here. Yeah, so right now how I have it kind of formatted, there's six guys that have announced they're leaving or transferring. The six guys are Drake Dabney, Blake Shapin, George Maia, Elijah Ellis, Connor Heffernan, and Tate Williams. Those are the six. Um, as Colt Barber reported today that Tate Williams is medically retiring, so that's kind of a newer addition to the list. Elijah Ellis is transferring as a grad transfer, and then Maya Dabney, of course, is a uh, grad transfer as well, and then Shapin, an under, undergraduate transfer. Then 10 guys who have outstanding decisions. These are the only 10 that are left that haven't gone out and posted a graphic. This does not mean they're leaving. I actually anticipate probably most of these guys to return. Campbell Barrington, Gavin Byers, Isaiah Robinson, Cooper Lands, Trey Wilson, Corey Kelly, Javon Gibson, Dominic Richardson, Alfonso Allen, Corey Gordon. Those are the 10 who have outstanding decisions. So as we wait on those, I'll kind of give you an idea of what the roster has left. Like I said, announced staying, I'm at, I'm at 57, which I think is pretty close to accurate. And then the 12 guys who are going to be uh, coming in um, for Baylor. Uh, and I think five are coming in the spring. Um, for early enrollment. So that's 69 guys at 85. Correct. So, again, where are, is your room coming from? There will be post-spring attrition. There might even yes. be some guys here, like, I mean, and we're not even counting Shapin if he were to come back. That's 70 mm-hmm. out of 85. 
Um, and if any of the other handfuls, and, and let me get this so I have it for my records as well, when it comes to the guys making decisions, Presley, Campbell Barrington. Presley's back. He's back? He announced. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess Instagram. I just missed that. Yeah. So who has not made a decision? Campbell Barrington, Gavin Byers, Cooper Lands, Isaiah Robinson, Corey Kelly, uh, Javon Gibson, Corey Gordon. Who are the two guys I'm missing here? Then? Alfonso Allen, okay. Trey Wilson. Okay. I think that should give you 10. Yeah. Those so, are the ones who haven't who haven't officially said that they're coming back. Again, I anticipate most of this group coming back. Bryson Washington actually tweeted today he was on the list, but now uh, he is officially in the fold as well. So Yeah, I mentioned him during the running backs. Yeah, and Jordan Jenkins also, I believe, mentioned at least on Colts' rundown that he's coming back okay. as well. So I haven't we'll, seen yeah. him either. So I guess, come on, boys. you got to get all on the same social media platforms. <laughs> we don't all check Instagram or we don't all check Twitter. If you're going to put it out, you got to put it out across the land. I need to see it on TikTok. No, I don't yeah. have TikTok. I'll never have it, but... Kudos to those who do, I guess. But, yeah, so I missed, like, maybe some Instagram yeah. announcements here. So that my whole point being, and I want to get into some of these decisions, my whole point being there's not a lot of room to work with right now. They've got so many guys coming back, and I mentioned in my article at the start of the week, like, is that a good thing? That's going to be, I think, the debate that's probably raging right now of, like, hey, it's great you have all these guys back, but do you want all these guys back, like, I'm sure there's a bit of a split in the fan reaction of thinking we're going to turn it all over and we're going to go get 25 guys in the portal and we're going to go crazy and not so fast, my friend, to quote Lee Corso. Uh, they're running it back almost in mass from last year. And so that just reinforces the idea of uh, Randa believing in who they have. I'm sure also that's part of calculated of like that's realistically what you're going to be able to do in your best bet moving forward. But it does make for some interesting discussion as far as you know, what to expect with your roster turnover. Well, and I mean, I got a lot of heat for saying that I felt like if Dave Aranda came back, the attrition wouldn't be as severe as if they brought in a new coach. I got a ton of just pushback from that. And simply put, and Jake Spavitol mentioned this, Baylor does not lose players. At least player, most of the time, players that they want, they get to come back. Now, there are a couple that we're going to talk about that they would have liked to have had come back, like Drake Dabney, uh, Blake Shapin. I understand all that. But in general, you're not seeing massive attrition that a lot of people were expecting this offseason and yes you're exactly right is that a good thing is that a bad thing we won't really know but I do think when you look at the outstanding decisions you know you kind of want most of those guys back and then you want to fill in the spots with high level transfers and use your NIL that way as opposed to having to spread out your NIL so much on 20 guys who aren't very good Mm -hmm. you know you'd much rather take well, I'm hoping it's around. It's somewhere between 10 and 15 if they can get to that many. But I do think that's a better number if you can go out and get high-quality transfers as opposed to just taking a bunch of transfers in mass. So I just think that that's worth noting, uh, yeah. just being realistic with the expectations of the portal and what they're going to be able to do. So I think you're looking at last year you got about a dozen guys, and it was very hit or miss as far as who contributed, who was good, who was just run-of-the-mill, who you – you know, probably didn't get much out of. A lot of those guys will also be back again this year. Your Jake Roberts, your Trevin Mayes. Um, you know, uh, did you mention uh, Barrington? Is he coming back? Campbell is not announced Okay, yet. so that was one of those. Gavin Byers okay, yeah, hasn't okay. announced I got either. him there. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, so you're looking at about 15 spots with the transfer portal right now as it sits. I mean, they've got nearly 
70 of the 85 scholarships already locked in for, for spring football. Yeah, and again, I think it's going to end up being between 10 and 15 because I do think they're going to add some guys to this recruiting class, which we'll talk to talk about in a little bit. And then, of course, the outstanding decisions. I think some of those guys are going to elect to come back, most of them, honestly. So let's talk about just a couple of them. Uh, we t- kind of touched on Blake Shape, and you don't think he's coming back as of right now. I don't. I, th- I feel like he's obviously wanting to explore his options. And if you were in, you're in by now. And so I think that... You know, I lean towards him leaving as well, and I'm fine with that. I mean, it's it's Blake's decision, obviously. It doesn't matter what I think, but, I mean, just from my observer analyst standpoint, I'm not, like, going to be crushed if he decides to go elsewhere. I almost, like, welcome it just because it would be something so new, but is it the best for the team? I don't know about that. They probably are better off with Blake being in the fold to some extent versus you're going to have to go get a quarterback anyways. So... Uh, when it comes to recruiting, we've seen some names brought up already. MJ Morris from North Carolina State, they've apparently shown interest in. Uh, Taylor Green, who is from Boise State, he's also from Texas originally, they've apparently shown some interest in. So let's, uh, let's talk about recruiting and the quarterback spot and just some of the guys that apparently they sending feelers out to how would you sort of gauge that uh, pursuit right now yeah jace bauer is another one out of central michigan so those three were the ones well two have been reported and then i reported the tail and green one because i do think there's a connection there that i feel like is fairly strong obviously armani winfield went to lewisville you saw him recruiting a little bit uh, on twitter i think Taylor is by far the best prospect of the group i, I just think um baylor's looking for an elite attribute, in my opinion, at the quarterback position, whether that's an elite arm or an elite skill set running the football. And Talon is a fantastic runner of the football. Uh, it's very different than kind of what Baylor has had in recent years. He is a elite runner, um, much better runner than like a Gary Bohannon, who I know you know had some success. But this is a different kind of rusher. Uh, but I also see upside with him as a thrower. I mean, he's got a really strong arm. He's just not the most accurate at this point in his career. But six six has a great frame. I think he'd be a very nice addition to Baylor's offense if they were uh, to attack the transfer portal in that way. The other two guys, you know, I think it's about just putting out feelers. I don't think they've sent out an offer quite yet at the quarterback position. I think that's coming, Um, but I don't think one has gone out yet. I'm a little more intrigued with MJ Morris over uh, Jace Bauer, Um, but we'll just see. It's a waiting and seeing game. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have entered, um, a lot of evaluations going on from Jake Spavital and uh, the coaching staff in general to try to figure out who they want to bring in if, of course, Blake Shapin does decide to move on. Um, It's going to be very interesting. Lots of quarterbacks entered, though. So a lot of options available. Yeah, and with Taylor Green, I followed him pretty closely. Uh, Going to turn the ball over, throwing the football. Not the best thrower in the world, but definitely a dynamic runner. So you know, what do you get out of that? What are you looking to get out of that? What are you are you looking for a starting quarterback? Are you looking for a guy that's a nice complimentary piece? And uh, he was sort of in and out, whether it be uh, getting banged up, but also just they were kind of still figuring out their quarterback situation in in the beginning part of the year. And I don't know how much injury played into some of that, um, but he was kind of hit or miss as far as actual playing time at times. And then I think by the end of the year, they had the big coaching change. They made the bowl game, and, you know, he was a big part of that. So he's definitely a playmaker, 
But when you look at his stats, you're not going to look at his passing stats and be like, wow, you're going to be like, whoa, wait a second, what is the pursuit here? It's mostly that he's a great runner. That's that's his big strength. And, yeah, and the explosive plays. Yeah. So, yes, he'll turn the ball over, but he's also going to hit explosives down the field. And so that's something that's intriguing, right? And we also have to remember, he was just a sophomore this year. So he's still a young guy who's still, I, I think, getting better and has more to build on. And maybe in the right scheme, he could be even more electric. But that running ability is very, very intriguing. Yes, it is. So uh, that's a name to keep an eye on amongst some others uh, that we just mentioned. Uh, about three quarterbacks being tossed around, MJ Morris, Taylor Green, and uh, who was the other one? Um, uh, Jace, Bauer Jace Bauer at Central Michigan. Those have been tossed around, but again, I mean, there are so many quarterbacks right. in the portal right now. I mean, it, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be tough to kind of whittle it down until they actually send out offers. Yeah, so that's just uh, some names that you can chew on a little bit, and we'll see how far down the road that potentially gets with – uh, those guys, but um, they're going to be very, very busy. And another name that uh, they're going to look to try and replace, uh, I mean, a quarterback, even with Blake Shape, and I'm sure they'd still be kicking the tires on what they could potentially, you know, see in the portal just in terms of who's out there. You're always looking to upgrade. Um, but if Blake Shapin goes, they have to have somebody. Yes. And so that's, uh, that's very much on the to-do list. Uh, that's the benefit of him coming back is you don't have to necessarily have a big get out of the portal or somebody out of the portal. You can use that elsewhere. So that's why the, the shaping thing matters so much. But. And, and quickly, Nate Bennett will also early enroll. Right. So that that's also very nice to have him at least coming in so you have some depth there early on in the spring and allow him to learn. I do think if Blake Shapin came back, though, I don't think they would take another quarterback. I think they would ride with R.J. Martinez and, and Sawyer Robertson and Blake Shapin. But obviously, if Blake goes, you you no doubt you got to take quarterback. I mean, no doubt. Yeah, uh, so there's that to be mindful of. Also, Drake Dabney in the portal officially. was hoping that if he was going to go, it would be to the NFL just so that he ended his career as a Bear, but can't fault a guy who was their best to second best leading wide receiver, even though he's a tight end. That's just the way the offense went. That was also the way the offense was de- designed somewhat with Jeff Grimes was to you know have a big focus on the tight ends, Drake Dabney. Uh, certainly took advantage of some of that this year. Big bounce back after the horrific injury. Uh, great story. Worked really hard. One of the, the better leaders on this team and obviously producers as well. But uh, he did announce that uh, he's going to be entering the transfer portal. So I'm sure we'll be seeing offers get thrown his way. As soon as I mentioned that, you know, had I think it was like uh, Texas Tech guys like at and Joey McGuire. And then there was an Oklahoma guy who's like, hey, do we need this guy? And there was a Texas fan tagging somebody of like, hey, is we going to replace Jatavian Sanders? And it's like, well, not every tight end's the same. He's not Jatavian Sanders, but he's pretty good, and he will have plenty of attention. But that's obviously, no matter who's running the offense, a guy you would love to have had back in the fold next year. Yeah, this is an example of bad attrition. Like, this is not a guy you wanted to lose. He's a very good player. He, at times this year, did have drops, and I know people are harping on that, but let's be real, he was very good this year. He had a historic year for a Baylor tight end. I really liked what we saw from him, the progression, the ability to actually create separation on his routes, which was something that wasn't commonplace for him early in his career, and he became a better blocker this year as well. I actually think he would have fit in really nicely in Spavital's offense, but uh, in general, he's going to end up at a very good spot. He's probably probably going to get a very good NIL deal, and then he's probably going to go to the NFL draft. So tough to see him go. I really liked what we saw from him. But again, this is going to happen sometimes. You just are trying to limit it as much as you can. Yep, so we will see what offers come down for him, and we'll update that you know later on down the line. But hate to see him go. 
to be expected, however, like I said, I was thinking NFL or possibly Portal or slight chance of coming back, but I wasn't shocked to see him go ahead and, and dip on into the Portal, and he'll make some good money, I'm sure, and you know, like you said, eventually get onto the NFL when the time comes. And, and quickly, it does help when you have Jake Roberts, Kelsey Johnson, Matthew yeah. Klopfenstein behind him. It's not like they don't have any tight ends to work with. They have a ton of them. And so I, I'm not saying that it's not a big loss, but I am saying they have the pieces, in my opinion, to replace him pretty effectively. Yes. Uh, so I guess the other thing when it comes to the roster, I mean, We've talked about it now uh, in a few different ways of all the guys they have coming back, but it was good to see the likes of Monterey Baldwin announce that he was going to be uh, returning. Uh, Also, some of the super seniors, uh, Garmin Randolph's coming back. Matt Jones is coming back. Just your thoughts on uh, just some of those guys that I mentioned there and anybody else that you think is worthwhile. I think for the most part, it's all of their young guys, like all the guys they've signed the past couple of years, right, that they're, they're building off of. They young base that I know for some people they like roll their eyes and they hear about the young players, but there's legitimately a lot of young players on this roster. And when you look at their focus of who they went and locked down, it was all of these young guys. And they've pretty much locked them all in, as we pointed out. I mean, nearly the entire roster is back. And when you're looking at Dabney is a veteran, Elijah Ellis has been around for forever at this point. Um, Barrington, I mean, given the situation with Grimes and his brother, I mean, it's not surprising to see that he hasn't made a decision to, just c- to come back. Um, you know, Gavin Byers, I know, is, is a guy that people debate about, but um, they're getting all of the young guys pretty much back in uh, mass, but also some of the older guys as well. So uh, your thoughts on Garmin Randolph and Matt Jones as far as sort of the super seniors go, and then just some of the standouts like a Monterey Baldwin. What stood out to you from the guys coming back? Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Matt Jones has had his struggles, as has Garmin Randolph, but to get guys that have been in the program for as long as they have, it's important. And, and I know that you're probably not – I'm not going to sit here and say that either of them are going to be now all of a sudden all Big 12 guys immediately or anything along those lines because we've seen enough from them. But I do think they can be quality starters as older veteran players. And, and I mean – At those positions, they need linebackers and they need jack position guys. And so to get those two guys back, at least give you a veteran at those positions. I think it's really important. And then you can kind of shape your defense with transfer portal guys to to try to make those guys play better than they have uh, so far in their career. I felt like, you know, Matt Jones at times last year really flashed more than he has throughout his entire career. Um, so who knows? Maybe he's able to take another step with Dave Aranda kind of taking over that defense coordinator position. And then as for Garmin, I mean, the biggest thing for him is he's got to stay healthy. And he's got to be more consistent. He, he's very much like Gabe Hall in the regard of you watch him at times, you go, wow. That was an awesome play. He, he looks like he could maybe be an NFL guy. And then at other times, you're just seeing him get pushed back 10 yards. And you're like, what are you doing? So I, I do think there's some ups and downs there. But in general, those are important guys to get back. Yeah, no doubt. So that answers some of the questions. And would they have been better off, you know, for those who maybe aren't a particular fan of anybody who's made their decision? I mean, that can be debated, but the odds of going and getting somebody with as much spirits as Matt Jones is going to come in and play like him, I just think is pretty low. So you are better off if you can bring some of those guys back. Despite the results of last year, that doesn't necessarily mean that it all transfers over the exact same way to next year. This is going to be very much a similar-looking team, but with the idea being that the approach and the the plays and it's the teaching and those things will be farther on down the line, and the experience will help a lot of the 
the youth on this team to be a better overall group next year. Now, whether that works or not, we'll see, but that's the game plan. That's very much the game plan. Right, and you mentioned the young guys, and I didn't really address that, but I do think it's important, and it was something that was mentioned all, you know, coming towards the end of the season, we have to keep our young guys, and they've done an excellent job of that. And I think a lot of this is excitement about the new offense, how they might fit in it, the development, and how much quicker they're able to develop into capable offense alignment, for instance, in this scheme as opposed to the last scheme in the wide zone. I just think that is one of the biggest things that they were able to accomplish, bringing back all these young freshmen who they really think are going to be very good, while also retaining most of the older guys who actually have some production. I just think it's important. You you kind of bank on your development, and then you bank on your ability to go out and find guys in the transfer portal. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That didn't exactly connect last year at all. And the year before, there were times where it was ups and downs, but we did see in 2021 that they were actually able to do that. Um, but again, that group was pretty special. So we'll see if they're able to kind of find a, a little bit of that recipe next year. Yeah, but just uh, fun to kind of see. All of the pledges. I hope this is not a yearly thing. I've mentioned this on the show uh, in the afternoons, 365 Sports, but I, I don't want to see every year where like the entire roster has to announce whether they're coming back or not. I don't know that I love that as an annual tradition yeah. when you've got so much going on, but I understand given their circumstances, like that was a good morale thing was to have people announcing that they're coming back and build up that excitement. And it has made for, I think, more excitement and more belief maybe – than there would have been otherwise by just having these guys show like no I'm I'm back I'm ready to go and so they've had that with dozens of players now at this point nearly the entire roster as we've we've made mention of a few times now uh, meanwhile they're on the recruiting trail when it comes to the transfer portal we touched on just some of the quarterback names that are being thrown about uh, there's also other offers going out as well um, before we get to that though in terms of their current recruiting class there's been news as. They try to finish off the 2024 class, which, again, is going to be a very small group. Uh, right now, just 13 commits for the class of 2024, and that is down one. And I thought it was 12 after last night, but I guess it's still showing 13 here. Now, Graydon Grimes is still part of this group. Will that remain the case with Jeff Grimes out of the equation? I guess that remains to be seen, uh, but that's obviously a name that you wonder about just because of the change there. Uh, at offensive coordinator, um, but there's also another. There is an actual subtraction from this group, and that came from one of their uh, out-of-state gets. As uh, well, linebacker is a spot that they've gotten a bunch of players to come back as far as the immediate help. And I don't know how much you were going to be banking on your freshman class to come in next year and be super impactful. But Bo Tate from Draper, Utah, the three-star linebacker, uh, decommitted. Uh, a couple of days ago, I guess that was Sunday, uh, he had made that announcement, and there was a lot of talk then about the fact that Stanford was pretty hot and heavy on his trail. Well, just yesterday, he commits to Stanford. So, Bo Tate decommits, now heading to go play for the Cardinal in the ACC, and I've said this before, I'm not going to fault anybody that decides to go to Stanford uh, to uh, further their education and play football, but uh, your thoughts on Bo Tate uh, dropping out of the 2024 class, and uh, what does that mean in general? Yeah, I mean, Bo was a very good player, and I felt like he kind of fit what they needed, um, potentially as a star or a will linebacker for them. But uh, it, it just was hard. He really wanted more stability, and he felt like Stanford gave him that. Stability was the biggest thing that he mentioned when I talked to him. He took his official visit there uh, last weekend, and of course, 
decommitted and then committed to Stanford almost immediately. So, I mean, it's a tough loss, but I, I don't think that he's necessarily irreplaceable. And I think the bigger thing about it is, is that Baylor really needs spots for this upcoming season. They need guys who have um, more experience and are more ready to play um, immediately, which you can get out of the transfer portal or out of the JUCO ranks, which we're going to get to here in a minute. But um, yeah, in general, it was a tough year for him. They won the state championship there at Corner Canyon, but he tore his ACL. So he's going to be out for a little while. Tough situation. But again, really good kid. He would have been a really good fit for Baylor. But uh, he ends up going to Stanford. And I wish him all the best. He, he had a very, very interesting recruitment. Kind of underrated. Baylor found him pretty much. Um, but he ends up at Stanford. Yep. So good luck to him. And uh, there you go. So let's now all the pieces have been set on the chessboard. We know who's in. We know who's out. We know who's still deciding. We know where the 2024 class now sits after this latest decision there at 13 commits. So what does all this mean? And what is the focus? You mentioned JUCOs. We mentioned portal guys. Where are we headed here with uh, recruiting down the stretch in the month of December? Yeah, so Baylor's going to have an official visit this weekend. Uh, JUCO linebacker Keaton Thomas out of Northeast Mississippi Community College. He's JUCO prospect, a guy who uh, he's got offers from uh, Memphis, Temple, Liberty, Cal, West Virginia, NC State. Good prospect. Um, would fit in really well at the Will linebacker spot. I don't view him as an immediate starter. Um, I think this would be more a situation where they bring in transfers to pair with Matt Jones, and then he competes with a lot of the guys they have coming back to potentially be in the 2D. Um, he had 107 tackles, 10 for loss, one and a half sacks. He's rated as the number four Juco linebacker in the country. He's going to take a visit this weekend, which is very important um, for Baylor. He would give them um, a pre another commit, so would get them to, what, 14, mm -hmm. I believe, in this class. And so I, I think it's basically between Baylor, Cal, he might schedule one more visit. Uh, but in general, his recruitment is coming to an end, and I feel good about where Baylor is at as signing day approaches here in two weeks. Uh, outside of that, <clears throat> I guess in the transfer portal, we can talk about a couple of other guys that are taking uh, official visits this week. Um, you got Marley Cook, the Mill Tennessee State defense lineman, who is an absolute freak show. Um, 6'2", 300 pounds, uh, has offers from Ohio State, uh, along with many others. I think Ohio State and Miami, along with Baylor, I would probably say are his top three right now. Uh, but he's got like 20-something offers. He, he's a... Big, big-time prospect. Would fit in really well to the interior of Baylor's defensive line. And I think he's a difference maker. Like an absolute difference maker. The comp that I, I've kind of seen when I watch him play, he is not Aaron Donald, but he plays a lot like Aaron Donald. Uh, just being 6'2", 300, but great hands, unique strength, and unique explosiveness and technique. Very, very good prospect. The other guy, uh, guys visiting, Kyler Beatty, uh, out of Comanche High School. He's just taking his official visit because he committed a little bit later in the process. So he'll be on campus. And then the other uh, transfer portal prospect that's visiting is Syracuse linebacker Leon Lowry. Um, another guy with quite a few offers. He committed to Wisconsin last week and after an official visit, then decommitted. Now he's taking a visit to Baylor this weekend. I think the Bears are the favorites. I I don't know if he'll commit this weekend, but I think there's a, a pretty high chance that he will. And he's 6'4", 239 pounds. He would fit in well at the Will linebacker spot and probably start next to Matt Jones. Yeah, and how, speaking of Syracuse, how about Fran Brown uh, getting yeah. his big show, uh, big big opportunity at the big show. With he's the bringing Syracuse the band back together, too. Head coaching job. Jeff Nixon uh, also joining him there. 
as offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, and so you'll have that. And shout out to Will Nixon, who I guess most Baylor fans don't know, but Jeff Nixon's son, uh, former Baylor OC when Matt Rule was here. And Will was at Midway during that time. And Will playing for the Washington Huskies and getting a few carries each game and now going to the college football playoffs. So yeah. just cool to watch him at Midway and how successful he was. And now he's off doing his thing and on a, on a pretty big stage right now with UW doing what they're doing. So it's cool to see him throughout the season, but especially the other night in a big game like that. And then, yeah, now you see his dad uh, getting the Syracuse OC job and reuniting with Fran Brown and getting the, the rule crew back together and – that's obviously a big opportunity for Fran Brown, who wasn't here very long, but was very impactful when he was here. And I uh, still remember talking to him at one of the mixers, and he, you could just tell there was something you know, different about him and that he was a fast-rising star. And they kind of had a little bit of a, I don't know if you'd call it a fallout or not, but left the staff kind of abruptly, went back to Temple, which I remember was kind of a slap in the face almost for Matt Rule. I mean, it's sort of just like, wait, wait, where are you going? We're building this thing, and you're a big part of it. And then he was back in Philadelphia, but he was obviously going on to charting his own path, and that took him to Georgia. And he had a huge role at Georgia these last couple years and now getting his spot. So just anyways, uh, some old faces, but some new opportunities and all kind of tying it back up together um, and so, yeah, good for those guys. And they also – he went and got Elijah Robinson as his defensive coordinator. So Who that's was that be Baylor? A, he was at Baylor the first year with Rule. a cup of tea for that yeah. first year. And then he went to A&M for the big money and obviously He's, carved out a huge role there for himself. And he'll be a head coach one day. So he's special. Yeah. yeah um, but he was just – he was at Baylor so briefly, he it was. felt like, um, during that 1-11 in year. And then he was out of here for, for Jimbo money. So um, – but, yeah, he's going to be the D.C. So, yeah, they're getting the, the crew together. That's going to be a fun – group to watch i think it will there be at syracuse yeah. syracuse also had dino babers right before so they're yeah. building that baylor connection yes they are it. uh different eras but yeah. uh yeah a baylor connection throughout so yeah that'll be a fun group to watch see what they do because that's that's a group too all three of those guys but especially fran and elijah who are like up and comers that you're going to be hearing i think a lot about them over the the next several years and it won't just stop at syracuse but um, all right, so you mentioned some of the transfer portal guys, and I know it's a lot of information to try and digest, but that's also the beauty of the offseason. And I know I talked about the beginning of kind of some of the knee-jerk reactions to, like, Jake Spavital and just reading off of Twitter and, and all of that, but I love the passion, and I love that everybody's fired up, and it sure beats kind of the feeling throughout the season. I want to make that very clear. It's just we're not always going to uh, – probably everybody agree on every move that's made but it's a lot of fun to just see moves being made and see them shaking things up and still not shaking things up in terms of the roster um, but just being able to kind of embrace something fresh and new and look towards a new season as opposed to it's week 11 and they're three and you know yeah. seven or whatever um, this is a little bit more fun again, I guess is what I'm getting at. It is, and, and I mean to see them go out and offer guys in the portal, show that they're going to be active there is really important. And yeah, Jake was very interesting to listen to. I felt like he's, I feel like he's going to add a nice, nice positive energy to the room. I and, think and, that, I'm, yeah, sorry, good. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I think just kind of adding on what you're saying, yeah. I felt like there was such a relaxed vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just him and Aranda sitting at that table, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but it just felt like, Okay, like this feels like it's going to be a good little partnership, uh, and I and I'm not I'm not one as any everybody knows that like goes and seeks out the positive, and I'm like you know trying to spin it as all being great. Uh, far from that, but I just felt like there was some cohesion there and kind of on the same page. I think Spavital's previous head coaching experience kind of lets him relate to what Aranda's going through and a sounding board and. 
I don't know. I, I I just like the feel of what I got out of yesterday is what I'm getting at. I did too. And for anyone kind of questioning, oh, is Baylor going to have two head coaches now? That should <laughs> no. be put to get put to bed after you know Jake Spavadol basically being like, you know, that'll be up to coach and coach whatever coach wants to do. Like this is not two head coaches. This is Dave Randis' team. Jake Spavadol is coming in and running the offense. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to mention just two things in the portal. They offered three wide receivers yesterday. Uh, all of them are slot prototypes, so clearly they want to make sure that they have an upgrade there, a guy with proven production in an air raid scheme. Um, Jamori Macklin out of North Texas, Cyrus Allen out of Louisiana Tech, and Winston Wright out of Florida State, previously at West Virginia yeah. with Jake Spavitol. So keep those three in mind and then five linebacker offers so it's very clear that they're probably going to take at least two linebackers interior linebackers in this class just wanted to mention that as just two areas that they're clearly going to be focusing in on yeah if i'm um i'll ask you right now on air before i forget could you please email me your list of guys so i can cross check because i'm missing like five guys versus our our list yeah so colt I, has the full list on the website okay, okay. yeah so I if mean, you go I have, to that okay help. i've seen that yeah i'll go and go back to that but yeah I want to double cross or double check I mean on the list that I had put together these last couple of days and just in looking at that again um, to get the fuller picture but um, in terms of pursuits uh, cornerback I feel like fine um, numbers wise I mean there's a lot of guys coming back at corner uh, D-line you need some help um, linebacker you obviously need and want some help safety is that uh, like huge priority here I, so I would be surprised if they don't take a star. I think right. they probably need a starter at star, or unless they're going to move a guy down, which if they do that, then they're going to need a guy at field or boundary. I do think safety is a position they have to address, and, and I would be shocked if they didn't. So I'm just kind of going through. like So probably a couple safeties, maybe one safety. One or two, one at star, I would yeah. think. Cornerback, you're good. You're good. Um, D-line, like, I mean, who's out there? Who do you want to get? Well, I think we also have to remember on the defensive line, if you bring in a stud, mm-hmm. like if you're able to go out here and get Marley Cook, and then you anticipate Jackie Marshall being ready for the season, I mean, that's basically like adding two pieces that you didn't have a year ago. I think you probably still need at least one more. But, I mean, getting those two guys back, I mean, those are difference makers. Well, yeah, and you've got young guys like Kalu and Emery and Tazino and Bet that yeah. you all hope are better. And Jarrell then, Boykins being yeah. healthy, Trey Emery being healthy. Yeah. Like, there are some reasons to be optimistic that they'll be better. So, and I know there's there's different positions within these groups, but I'm just trying to keep it as general as possible. So, a safety or two, corner you're good, um, D-line a couple guys probably, uh, linebacker, whether it's inside, outside, that's definitely, even with all the guys who have announced, I mean, there's like more than a more than a handful of guys who have announced they're coming back, but there are also a lot of guys we've seen for a while now, but that's definitely like the focus on defense seems like it's the linebacker spot. Yeah, and maybe even Jack. Like you might want yeah. one Jack to replace Byron Vaughn's. Um, so to get but, one guy like that, and then two linebackers interior you probably need. Yeah, but to the uh, the portal thing, I mean, that's also where, you know, you on the one hand go, well, do we want everybody back? Do we want Garmin Randolph back? Do we want Matt Jones back? But like otherwise, what? now you need like five linebackers out of the portal and what are the odds you're going to go and get guys as good as those guys not very good so um yes need some help at linebacker that's definitely like get the red marker out and circle that position 
Uh, O-line, you're obviously going to want to get some help, but you need an O-line coach. Uh, that needs to be taken care of, and that's what they're in the process of doing right now. Quarterback depends on shaping. Yep. Running back, you're good in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so has Dominic Richardson announced he's coming he back? He hasn't. He hasn't okay, yet. So that I was think a- he's weighing on an, a running back coach because just, okay. just to put this in perspective, he signed with Juice Johnson. Juice right. Johnson left. A.J. Stewart came in. A.J. Stewart's now gone. Yeah. This will be his third running back coach at Baylor. That's insane. And he's only been at Baylor for one year. Um, so just keep that in mind. I bet he's waiting for a hire there. And what about know. Jordan Jenkins? He apparently announced, okay. according right. to Colts list. That's why I need to cross-check, yeah, because yeah. um, that was one of the names that I was missing there. But other than that, everybody else is coming back, has announced they're coming back, including Richard Reese, which I don't think we touched on him, but that was a, a nice name as well to see, yeah. along with Monterey Baldwin, uh, just some of those playmaker types of guys. And I know that opinion is split on Richard Reese. As far as like what he's capable of doing and things like that, but well, definitely a split between the fan base and the coaching staff. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? I'm all due respect to our listeners out there, but I'm going to go ahead and side with the the coaching staff there. I mean, as far no, I mean, I flipped that. I flipped <laughs> yeah. that. I should say uh, all due respect to the coaching staff, but I'm going to side with the fans out there. And I think Richard, with the big punctuation of those kicker turns there at the end of the year, was kind of like a you know, give me the ball, let me see what yeah. I can do with it, but. Uh, so then tight end, you're set. I mean, you've got a bunch of tight ends still. Wide receiver, if you can get some playmakers, you want a couple of guys, I would imagine. But you still have um, a lot of numbers, but it's just a lot of unproven. And, like, hey, hey boys, it's about time to, to notch it up a level across the board. We mm-hmm. need everybody, neighbors and Gifford and – Jackson and Cameron and everybody, everybody needs to get better next year. Yeah, and to be clear, I, I just want to make this as known as possible. If there is a best available type, I don't really care what position they play. Like, you got to get talent on the roster, regardless of position. No, There weren't many guys on this team that you sit back and go, man, that's definitely going to be a superstar. Yeah. So if you find guys like that, you need to take them, or if they address a specific need. Like, I don't think tight end is a focus, but if you can get a reliably elite blocking tight end, that might be kind of interesting. But they definitely need more of a slot receiver who's been in an air raid scheme before just to give them a little bit more of a, a sure thing at the wide receiver position next to Monterey and Keytron. So there's more of a breakdown that you can find all over the site discussion as well. I look up now and realize we've blown through most of this podcast. Luckily, we don't have a very big mailbag here. So let's dive into these questions yeah. over our last 10 minutes and – uh, I think I just, but I feel like we've addressed pretty much everything mm-hmm. that's gone on here over the last week. And uh, Scotty B, the Baylor King, thoughts on what the NCAA president's proposing today? If anyone doesn't already know, the proposal is about the creation of an FBS subdivision that permits schools to directly compensate athletes through a trust fund NIL. And I'm still sorting through some of this, but this is part of the big split that's been talked about for so long. And you know, where is Baylor's place in all this? I think everybody's heads are just spinning right now with all of the changes going on in college athletics. But do you have any particular thoughts? I myself have need to see more of the details. I don't think it's time to panic, but I do think it's time to be very mindful of where you are and what your place is in this whole grand scheme of things. And to also be realistic of, like, you're not going to be Alabama or compete with the Alabamas of the world very often moving forward in college football. Not that you were really a lot to begin with, but this is just seemingly increasing the gap between – well, a couple of conferences, you would think, and everybody else for the most part. Yeah, and I mean, I don't necessarily think – I think everyone knew something like this was coming, right? I, I yeah. mean, it's been trending in this direction for a long time now. I think it's sad. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I mean, it's 
I know a lot of people want to see the best players and whatnot, and I understand all that, and you want to see these best teams, but then it's just becoming so much more like NFL football, and that's not necessarily, I think, what people want to see when they sit down on a Saturday and try to watch college football and see all these rivalries and traditions. I do think it gets ruined a little bit by something like this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my general thoughts. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of discussion about this, and I, I don't think it's anything immediate, but I do think it's something that's coming up in the relatively near future. Yeah, and it remains to be seen of who all will participate in something along those lines. And will Baylor be one of the schools that can do it? Um, you know, I think we need more details on what exactly this is going to look like. It's basically just a report from Ross Dellinger, among others, that there is going to be some kind of breakaway coming. But don't panic when you hear that because, again, there's there's a lot of stuff to sort through. And for all we know, Baylor could be a part of that upper class that decides to pay players on a regular basis directly through the schools and things. But, um, yeah, that's a, a big topic today. Useless Kim degree is it too early to demand a deep tournament Sweet 16 Elite Eight run as the baseline for 23-24 men's basketball, or baseline for success for 23-24 men's basketball. Yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, baseline. So what does this mean? Does this mean you're firing Scott Drew if they don't make it there? No. Do I think that it's reasonable to expect them to get to a Sweet 16 Elite Eight? Absolutely. I mean, this team is more than good enough. It's been two years in a row of getting upset, technically, uh, in the second round of the tournament. I think it's time for them to make another solid run in the tournament and prove that you know it's not just that one year and that it's something very sustainable. Yes, and uh, with all the football news, hard to... Get the yeah. hoops in here, but uh, we've got plenty of people on staff that cover the basketball side of things on a regular basis, so there's no lack of content there. Uh, we just will fit it in where we can on this podcast, but football is always going to take precedent. But the Baylor men doing very, very well, and the women as well, mm-hmm. uh, both up there in the rankings, both winning games. And uh, for the men, later on tonight, it will be Seton Hall in the Big 12 Big East battle over there at the Farrell Center. But uh, right now, Sitting pretty good at eight and zero, oh. so yeah, I do think it's. I'll say this, you know, obviously there's no you better win or else, but it does feel like they need to get into the Sweet Sixteen this year. Uh, you know, push their way a little bit deeper into the tournament after the way the last couple of years have sort of abruptly ended. So um, demand, I don't know about demand, but expect. I think that's fair to expect that this team should be a Sweet 16 type of a team, if not even deeper than that, sure. Useless, uh, let's see, thank you, Useless, for that. Uh, Bears 224, prediction amount of transfers in what position? Uh, we've talked about that, I think, at length, about 15 transfers, give or take, right now is what you're looking at, and we just did the position things of kind of you know separating them. Um, so hopefully 224, that answers your question there. Uh, but also, we know Grimes went forward a lot on fourth. Is Spavital similar? I think he will be, uh, but I don't think he's going to do it as, I don't want to say recklessly, because at times it did work, but then this year it really came to a standstill where maybe it was like, hey, maybe we should just kick a field goal or punt it in this situation. Uh, but I do think he will be aggressive and won't be afraid to go for it, but maybe the amount of times will be a little bit less. Uh, let's see, 92 Hank Bear, O-line coaching candidate rumors. Yeah, you know, I, I 
there have been a couple names put out there. Uh, Clay McGuire at Washington State has been one that's been mentioned. I know Colts mentioned him a, a couple times. I think he would be rather interesting. Uh, Travis mentioned the uh, offense line coach at Texas State, which I think would be pretty interesting as well. I'm forgetting his name, but uh, those are the two that you know I've heard from the staff at least that look pretty good. Uh, but in general, you know there have been so many rumors out there. I'm not going to dive into each one, uh, but I will say I think they're getting closer to making that decision. Uh, as the week goes on, hopefully by the end of the week, they're able to come to some sort of decision. And they also need to find their running backs coach as well. But uh, ZT Smith 423 will close it out here. The top running back in the new offense will be. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think based on what we saw this year, I, I think that it's probably going to be Dawson Pendergrass. I just, I think he fits this scheme pretty well. Um, especially as a downhill runner. He's got really quick feet in the hole, which is required in this offense. And also just the ability that Spavitol mentioned, like can when you run the football, if you get hit in the backfield, still get a yard or two. And that's something that definitely fits him or Dominic Richardson more than others. But I do think and I do hope that Richard Reese will have more of a role in this offense because I do think there's an ability there for him to create big plays as long as the offense line is blocking at a much higher level. All right, so we will see on a couple of coaching hires and whether those come down in the next few days, but you would imagine those are getting close and obviously some decisions still to be made in terms of the transfer portal both coming and going. Um, and I would think we'd have some clarity here pretty soon on a Blake Shapin and what are – what are you know his decisions? Uh, excuse me. Ultimately, going to be he's at least made the decision to stay in the portal or enter the portal. Uh, but beyond that, um, you know, a handful of other guys as well, still kind of waiting to be determined on them. Uh, but man, a lot's already been decided. I mean, for as uh, frenetic as an off season as it's already been here in just a couple of weeks, there's a lot that's already been checked in uh, terms of the the coaching staff shakeup. We know what that looks like now at this point in time. Obviously, Aranda himself was the big you know, question early on. That got answered right away. But now the roster is clearing itself up, and it's really just back to recruiting in December. And that's always been a norm, but just the mixture of the portal and you know the, uh, the stakes are, are a bit high for Aranda heading into this offseason. But, yeah, man, a lot going on right now with this football program. And then also a couple pretty good basketball teams as well that will – delve into further as uh, time permits moving forward on this podcast but man before we get out of here is there anything else that we have not uh, touched on or or fit in here no I, I would just say that I mean if you're not a premium subscriber I would strongly consider it right now you know we're getting close to signing day the transfer portal is going crazy I have a thread up right now that has you know tons of views and is getting tons of traction it's all about as all the offers the scholarship spots available um, and multiple other things the recruits the commits and things like that with news and notes and news and nuggets and everything so be sure to check that out we have a lot of content and a lot of opportunities to kind of understand what's going on with Baylor's recruiting process yep so definitely if you're a Baylor fan or if you're not you just want to spy or whatever uh, then head on over to sickum365.com Join that premium section and join the conversation or at least uh, learn a few things and uh, get into the uh, insider info that is going on right now with these Baylor Bears and Dave Aranda's uh, big last stand potentially, uh, seeing how all this goes here in the next few months. But fun to see them sort of setting their defenses and how they're going to plan on going on the offense with Jake Spavital and all those types of things uh, that we were wondering about uh, for the last couple of weeks. So, 
Yeah, head on a swivel. Uh, More to come, more news to come, that's for sure. But until next time, we do appreciate you listening and being a part of the podcast. Thanks to those who asked a question in the mailbag this week as well. Thanks to Garrett Ross behind the scenes as always. And for Grayson Grunhafer, I'm Craig Smoke. Talk to you next Tuesday at 11.15. Please hit like or subscribe if you're watching us on the Baylor Athletics on Sikkim 365 YouTube page. And until next time, have a good one, everybody.